Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything tax, legal, and business for real estate investors. I'm here with a good friend of mine today. Ola's going to be talking to us about his journey uh, being an entrepreneur and a real estate investor. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And how did you uh, get started uh, in real estate? Oh, well, let me tell you something, Scott. Th- well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I just can't wait to dig in. So, I mean, I have a really interesting story, right? Um, I'm actually from the United Kingdom. So I've been in the United States for about four or five years and, you know, kind of living the life. My wife and I, we had an apartment, um, you know, we're going to work, um, kind of like just, you know, in, out. Um, I like to call it like the matrix, you know, it's just like clock in, clock out. And, you know, just really just living life. And we had an apartment that we were living in. We were pretty, you know, nice, young millennials, didn't care about anything, just living the life. Right. Um, but I knew there was much more. Right. I knew there was something more how how in the world. Right. I, I just could feel it. I could think of it, but I couldn't I couldn't understand what that really looked like. Right. So um, kind of fast forward, um, a friend of mine that I've kind of worked with in the past you know, just called me out of the blue and he's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Dubai. Um, do you want to come out? Um, I really want you to help me with my, you know, business and my business has like taken off so much and I just need some kind of structure. I just need you to help me out. I was like, sure. I mean, yeah, let's do it. Um, but I was like, did you just say Dubai is like, yeah, Dubai. So, um, I was like, okay. Um, I did what every, you know, smart, um, a wise man does, um, you know, consulted my wife <laughs> and, and she said, um, well, absolutely not. You don't need to go all the way to Dubai. Hello, there's Skype, there's FaceTime, there's, you know, Zoom, there's all kinds of things you guys can use. But I was like, yeah, but if I do go all the way, then I learn something like really helpful and I bring it back and it actually, you know, changes our life. What about that? You know, so kind of, we kind of went back and forth. And I'm kind of bringing up this story because when we talk about, you know, real estate, we're really focused on the tactics, um, you know, about how to do real estate. But I think there's a lot of, um, you know, mindset, right? And there's a lot of precursors before doing the real estate. There's a lot of mind things that you have to be aware of and also um, learn about, right? So in any case, yeah, I was on my plane to Dubai. I was in a hotel room, you know, sorry guys. I wasn't, you know, driving around in fancy cars and living a life on, up in Dubai. I was actually just in the hotel room brainstorming and I dissected my, you know, my friend's business and I just saw how much it was making and how well it was doing um, in London, that is, um, in real estate. So, you know, we did that for two, three days and I came back um, to the United States and I told my wife that, oh my goodness, like, my man has just like been going on a spin for the past three days. And I think I can do the same thing in the United States. So I started reading and learning so much. And then within a few months, we just really jumped right into um, the game and bought our first property. So that's, that's like a really broad overview. I kind of let you take, take the lead on that. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a great story and, and it really shows like what do you actually have to do sometimes to get started? 
you know, you have to be really tactical and uh, really strategic um, with how you think through it and a little, you know, take some risks, you know, when it's appropriate. Um, so when you first started looking into, you know, going down this path, did you have a particular plan of where you wanted to get to? And, and has that plan changed from the time that you started? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting how things happen, right? So like I said, in the beginning, I knew there was much more to life. What is life? What can I do better? How can I impact my world? Is there more? You know, how do I fit in the world? So I've been asking those questions anyway. So, you know, that trip just like really changed everything for me. And it really um, put me on a, 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 an amazing um, trajectory trajectory since then because when I did get back and I started reading and I started listening to podcasts and you know going on bigger podcasts and you know I keep hearing the same book and I'm very descriptive because if there's a guy out there in his 20s or he's about to be 20 or in their 40s or their 60s and they're thinking I listen to all this podcast I'm reading all this book I can't really connect you know I really genuinely believe that rich dad poor dad is a book that's really just opens your your mind in a different level and when that book kept coming up and i picked it up i was like ah that's what i've been you know thinking about that's what i've been trying to explain that's what i've been trying to you know um discuss with my my friends about you know how to be an investor and how to be a big business and not just you know nine to five clock in clock out right and so when i picked up that book it really not only let's leave real estate out for a second. It really helped me to see the world I've been trying to project for such a long time. So after I, after I finished reading rich dad and poor dad, then I started reading more tactical content, like the strategies in real estate, what kind of asset classes can I invest in? You know, what do I need to do for us? How can I get money? And all these questions that I had. So I knew that I didn't want to be, um, kind of like in the chug, in the in the in the will and and day to day struggle of real estate, right? Um, which is going to be interesting because I'm, I'm going to come back to that later. Um, so, but I I did choose multifamily, right, as an asset class that I wanted to invest in for all the benefits that you know you probably you you would know and some of your your your, your listeners would know too. Um, but I like that asset, so I did jump into that, and our first property, you know, was was a multifamily. So that's kind of how I got into it, um, and I knew that my eventual goal was kind of a business that you know was in some form passive, because real estate is never passive, right? Um, a lot of people throw. Um, passive income around. If you are not Prada or a syndicator like myself, you can't just be on the beach somewhere and your business runs. Of course, you have to manage the manager. You have to manage the property manager. You, you have to do some kind of work. So you can be a passive investor, however, if you're investing in a deal, for example, and you're just on, on, on you're a silent member in a, in, a, in a syndication, for example, right? So I knew I wanted to be in a business where I'm not kind of running around, you know, um, every day. So that's why I chose the asset class that I chose, which is multifamily. So when you wanted to get, you know, was your, was your motivations uh, when you first started investing and even now, is it, is it that you want to uh, create more time for yourself or more I mean, freedom? I, or, or that's what is a fantastic, fantastic question. For me, it's freedom, right? And freedom, I know a lot of people use that and throw that around, but it's not just freedom of time. For me, it's freedom of mind, right? Freedom to be able to pick on a project 
project that means a lot to you and actually go all the way through. Freedom to take your kids to school, um, freedom to write a novel, freedom to write a blog, freedom to go to any conference you want to, right? But realistically, <laughs> freedom in however form it comes in requires money, right? Some of us, um, you know, a, a, a part of the population is usually trying to shy away from talking about money. And you know, the whole saying, no, everything is about money. And we kind of try to pass that on to generation. Money is actually very important. Um, in a lot of things, right? It helps to build communities. It helps um, people that are not, you know, so so um, privileged in the world. So I'm very about making money, but also building communities. So it's having that balance of, I want to spend time with my daughter, but also I want to fly um, to a nice vacation with my wife and my daughter. So it's having that balance. And for me, um, that was very important that freedom was tied to making money because I know, it's, it's important in equal um, weighting, to be honest. Yeah, well, let me ask you this then. Do you think that freedom is a prerequisite to have all of those underlying needs fulfilled, of like connection with your daughter? And, and like, is that like, you're really, because you're expressing like time freedom, right? And it's money, you're equating that a little bit with time. And it's like, but really what I'm seeking is all these other experiences. Absolutely. So it's actually, I, I think it's, um, I wouldn't say it's an inverse, um, Equation meaning that you know um, money is directly proportional to freedom, um, but it's a it's a big um, it's a big prerequisite, right? Because if you have money, you can say, "Hey, I want to take a sabbatical from my you know real estate you know company for a year to go write up my book on I don't know child labor in Asia. I don't know whatever you want to do, right? Or I want to take a year off to go help kids in Africa, whatever. So that kind of freedom, you just don't do that if you're, you know, just the average guy working in nine to five or girl, you can't just do that because the world as we see it doesn't really allow you to do that unless you want to go live in the Amazon forest somewhere by yourself. But in reality, you do need that capital to do whatever you want to do, which that's why I really want to focus on. It's not just the freedom of time, but it's also the freedom of mind. You know, I don't want to go off tangent here, but in our generation, um, depression and anxiety has, has, you know, has gone up, off, you know, skyrocketed, right? I don't want to be a pessimist, but it's just the reality of our world. We've got social media, folks comparing themselves to each other. So there's obviously something going on and having that freedom of mind to just say, hey, I want to drop whatever. I want to leave my, you know, apartment, you know, um, my, my flat and just travel away the world. You can do that, but you've got to be you got to have some money at least to start doing that, right? So money is very um, important in that way. And it helps to, you know, give you that freedom of mind and freedom of time. But you can never really get seemingly absolute freedom unless you know, maybe you know something I don't, right? Because like, even though you're like creating more freedom through like your syndication investments through your real estate, you end up, it's not truly passive, right? It just means, but it's so in one sense that you're saying, well, I'm getting freedom from my job, but I'm also losing freedom by having to manage my syndication. Right. Correct. Correct. Right. So Correct. when you're setting I, goals, like how does that work? And, you know, because you're really, you're having, you have a lot of trade-offs that are going here and they're not absolutes. Mm -hmm. So you know, what's so interesting, like, you know, when we're, you know, a lot of when we're growing up, we, we, we see like the, you know, the, the, the stars, the footballers, or the basketballers, or even the rich guys or the tech guys now, right? And you're like, I want to be a billionaire, right? And then you throw a kid in there and then you throw a wife in there. And then you're like, 
I don't know. Like, do I really want to be a billionaire? Right. And with more questions brings more answers and with more answers brings clarity. Right. So when I set goals, I'm setting goals for freedom of mind and freedom of time. Right. I want to be able to spend time with my family. Right. Because I've seen, I've seen and heard of too many 60 year olds that died prematurely and they wanted to do everything in retirement and they never could get to retirement. So when I set goals, I'm setting goals that, you know, are, are not only absolutely possible for me to meet, but it's okay for me to live and for me to pass on to the next generation. Meaning I don't have to be a billionaire, right. At the expense of not spending time with my daughter. I don't have to be a billionaire at the expense of not being a nice person and screwing people over. I don't have to be a billionaire and then lose my soul, right? I can be a multimillionaire and still have a great relationship with my daughter and my wife, and my wife still loves me and she doesn't ever say to me, you've changed, right? So that's how I set my goals. Obviously, you know, we all know about smart goals. You know, they have to be specific, measurable, you know, all that good stuff. But I try to tie my goals as humanly as possible. And this is very um, difficult to do because you have to be constantly aware. Like, am I spending too much time on work? Am I, you know, am I, am I traveling too much? Am I spending enough time with my family? So, you know, it's very, very dynamic in nature. And we have to constantly make sure that we're being aware of that. Yeah, I think that's a you know really important piece is like really it's awareness, right? It's really most often the most um, curative thing that we can do. I mean, and when you're when you're going into these new directions and new goal setting, and I'm sure you have to butt up against fears and anxiety. What's what's a fear or anxiety that you butted up against um, in your growth that you just didn't expect? Oh man, that's such a good question. I don't think um, I don't think I've got that one before. So let's kind of break this down into buckets. So let's pick fears, right? You know, my, 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 my fear is, you know, being, being overly successful and losing the person that I am, right? So I ask a lot of questions of myself. I, you know, consult with myself. Yeah, I'm not crazy. You should do that. Um, anyone listening to this? And one of my fears is if I get successful, am I still going to be the same person? Am I still going to be as humble as I am are people still going to treat me the same or are they going to treat me differently thinking they can get something from me um, am I going to be a better father if I'm really successful am I going to be a better husband will my wife still respect and love me just as much as she does today when I'm you know not as successful right so um, those are kind of my fears right I, I don't know if I would call them fears of success um, but it's, it's it's one part right and also another fear is also fear of failure right like you know we, we, you know, we kind of go out, we go and build companies, we, you know, we build portfolios and, you know, this could all come crushing down, right? So the, those are two fears, like fears of success and failure. And the way I counteract these fears is, you know, making sure that I don't grow too quickly or I don't grow too big and being acutely aware of what could cause my failures, right? So that puts me in a very, very good equilibrium to know that, you know, I'm constantly having to be aware that I don't want to be, I don't want to be too successful, you know, for where I should be. And I definitely don't want to go back to where I was as a person. So it's really that, you know, that middle ground is what I strive for um, constantly, you know, and that's how I kind of counter my fears. So on the other hand, anxieties, you know, I'm, I, I see myself as a very big thinker, you know, 
I'm, I, when it comes to social media, that's a big anxiety for me. Um, and I know it's a weird one. And, you know, I talk to my wife a lot, my close friends about this. And I feel like we're in a generation where we're not only comparing ourselves with other people, um, but we're so jaded and also bombarded by images, usually polished images of people online um, who are plastering themselves with, you know, things to make themselves look good or project, you know, this certain persona to the world and, what we're doing in our generation, even though sometimes we, we don't really think of it as bad, could be really bad. What do I mean? If I show myself to the world as, look at me, I'm so amazing. I'm better than you because, you know, I'm traveling through Asia. My life is awesome. But if the real picture is a depressed girl that is lonely and has suicidal thoughts, you know, where there's a big disparity there, right? So I feel like, you know, my anxiety is I have a baby girl. I'm going to have more children. And we're having our kids grow up into this culture of just constant, constant polished images of non-reality. It's just not true, you know, and that, that's a big anxiety for me. Um, you know, of course, we can always reel this back into real estate. But, you know, as you ask a generalist question, that's a big um, anxiety for me, social media in general. But, it, but it's also a great too. I mean, I raised money through Instagram, you know, and I still continue to do that. But I just un also understand the flip side of that. So how is, um, you know, how does that look? You know, a lot of people are really anxious when it comes to social media. You can actually look at and see that you actually become less happy the more you look at social media. And that data is pretty clear because you, you do self judgments. I think every time you see somebody that posts like a pic of them looking like super hot or like their big house or car or something like that. Right. You, mm -hmm. you compare your life only to the absolute best of other people's lives, mm -hmm. um, into it. Um, how would people, you know, think to use social media in a way that would actually be uplifting for them? Um, uh, and instead of this thing that actually seems to drag them down. I think it's just being realistic, right? I mean, I think we as a generation, right, we just need to um, collectively put out real imagery, right? Like if your life is polished, if you wake up into a filtered room with roses and beautiful dogs, and if that's your life, that's absolutely fine. Put that out there, right? But if your life is, you know, you're, you're struggling or, you know, you've, 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 you've gone to a not so pretty part of the world, but you're helping kids post that and tell people why you're doing that. Make sure you're pushing out reality, right? Because clearly there's a reason why there's a correlation between social media and, you know, how a lot of people are feeling mentally these days because it's not real. Right. So I think as a, as a society and definitely as younger people, we should make that uh, a conscious effort to, you know, constantly push out, you know, positivity and projections of reality as opposed to this um, obscene, um, you know, just not accurate life that we try to constantly paint um, because that does impact people in ways that even we might not be, you know, aware of. It's not like a lot of people are bad people. They just don't know that them putting, you know, putting out a picture of them in, in a beautiful ocean scene, you know, if, even though that's their one holiday and they're just a secretary in the office, nothing wrong with being a secretary, by the way. Um, but, you know, it's just, that's not a true picture, right? 
you know, if you post a picture of you being a secretary one week, of you being at your desk or your cube at your workplace, and then the next week, at least there's a balance, right? You're not just saying this is all my life from this one picture. You know, it's, it's very interesting, right? We have to be very aware of our impact on our world. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's a good point. You know, it's like awareness, you know, what is the impact and what are you sharing with people? And is it more important for people to think you're great or to actually have like authentic relationships with people? You know, I think a lot of people think that if they, you know, can produce enough um, like front facing greatness, you know, then all of a sudden everybody else will think that they're great. Um, but really like true greatness really comes from the more and more I meet people is that you can meet them and know whether they're great or not just from meeting them. Like whether you've seen their social media or not, like if there's something about like powerful people um, that you just spending time with them, you know, them, you can sniff it out, you know, mm-hmm. um, really easily. So I think like a lot of the, what people are trying to achieve with social media is you're only tricking the people that are at the bottom tier of awareness in society. Everybody else has already picked it up that you're not nearly as great as you're trying to portray yourself. Out. <laughs> right. You know? Right. 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 Like, okay, yeah, there's another, you know, stupid thing that you're trying to do. Not you, but I mean, like, generally, you know, at least that's how I read my social, like, my Facebook feed. I'm like, there's just no way your life is that great. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's how you're trying to say it is, you know? Because, um, like, it's just not realistic, you know, right. for what I know about you. you know? So, <laughs> right, I saw so. you last week. <laughs> I saw you last week, dude. You got problems. You know? Your life we ain't all, that great. We all know? do. We all do. Yeah. That's the, your, girl, think, your girlfriend's yeah. over there photoshopping photos, so she looks <laughs> twice as good. You know, like I, I know what's up, man. Like I know that internet game. You know, and I was like, you're not that funny. I think you stole those jokes from Reddit. Like I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I mean, that's where I kind of roll into it. But um, I wanted to jump into. Um, I always like to jump into like a best deal or a worst deal. Um, and we got you know a few minutes here left, and I wanted to go through. Um, you know, one of your worst deals, if you don't mind sharing, because I feel like those are where we get like a lot of learning about like, where's the awareness of when, you know, when we think we're on the right track, but then at some point, you know, we start to pick up clues of how we're thinking, what our mindset is, that's leading us in the wrong direction, you know, um, into, and I was wondering if you would share with us, you know, uh, from 10,000 feet up, like what, what are your worst deals, you know, look like, um, and, uh, what it was like, you know, at the beginning, um, of, of getting into that deal. So yeah, that that's I mean, definitely a good segue into real estate. Yeah. So uh, you know, like uh, we were talking before the show started. You know, I I'm an avid podcast listener. Uh, I read about three books um, between Audible and, and had copies of books about three books a month now. Um, so I love to learn. I love to listen. And you know, my when I listen to podcasts, you know, some podcast is very like up and up, like this guy made $50,000 on this, you know, all deal and you're so jacked up. You want to go and like, you know, get your first deal the next day. Um, but you know, we, we should do a little bit more as well in just trying to, you know, what are the, you know, what are the deals that didn't go so well? So I'm really glad you asked that question. So I'm going to break it down into kind of the worst, um, you know, to the worst first and then kind of end with the, you know, with the best. And the, the, the worst I would say was, um, you know, I, I actually go into a partnership and we bought a property. Um, here in, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and it was a big house. So we usually don't buy houses this big. It was a, you know, 2,500 square foot home. Um, you know, just, just basically, we normally do a gut rehab. Um, before I actually jump into the deal real quick, I knew for a fact that I wouldn't do flips. I would not just do flips. 
relationships because I already know um, from listening to podcasts, from reading, doing research that it's very active. There's, you know, th- there is nothing passive about doing a flip, right? It doesn't matter what you see on HGTV. It's very active. I go to my projects every single day and meet with my subs and I, G- and I GC my projects. But I knew this, but yet I got caught by this shiny, you know, object syndrome. <laughs> so I just want to mention that, you know, um, real estate and life isn't parallel to what you're seeing books and what you listen to on podcasts. That sometimes there's still some disconnect, right? It wasn't like I was stupid. It's not like I'm not wise or, you know, I'm very, very intelligent. It's nothing to do with that. It's just life happened. I knew I shouldn't flip, but yet I got a partner. I got like really happy. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make like $50,000. Let's do it. You know, obviously in retrospect, I, I knew that was a bad idea. I, I, you know, I would never do flips unless it meets certain criteria now. And they're very strict. Anyway, so we bought the house, um, even though I knew it was really big for us. You know, we had our crews just finishing up on, you know, our other project. Um, we bought the house and then the house sat for like, I don't know, like two, three months. Right. We did like some really, really like, like small demo on the house and it just sat there. Right. So and then we, you know, after we finished our other projects, because obviously we were lean on our on our resources and, you know, mainly subs because they were finishing up on our other project. So then, uh, you know, the subs came over, you know, then we started getting some other subs just because all our guys were busy. And then this project actually took about seven months to finish. Now, if this is your first podcast ever that you're listening to and you don't know anything about real estate, typically if you do a flip project which is a fix and flip you want to be done by three to four months from start to finish which is from start from when you actually acquire the uh, the property to when you actually sell it to the end user right you know retail um, or whatever so it should take like four months three to four months and this took seven months now you might be thinking oh Ola, what's the big deal that's just the next three months why are you what's the problem what's the big deal why don't kill yourself the problem is i was paying three thousand dollars in interest to the ad money lender and, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could, you know, define what I had money. We'll come back to that. So basically, you know, I was having to pay money every month while, you know, my contractors were taking longer than expected. Everything was just going really, really wrong. Like we, we would come in inspections. Did you, did you not foresee any of this? Like when you got into it, yeah, what a fantastic question. Yeah. So we, we didn't and we did right but the reality so for example we knew that this was a bigger project it was obviously more square foot it was going to take a little bit longer we're going to obviously spend more money um the budget will be a little bit higher so we you have some projections right some smart intelligent projections um but i think this is a good lesson obviously the worst lesson but it's a good lesson for those that are just about to start right um meaning you can just be off in terms of buying a house that is too big um, but then plus if you put an equation you buy a big house plus you do a gut job meaning um, you can go on our website and look at this project we literally just rip out the whole house so we demoed the entire house and change everything from plumbing electrical you know HVAC we literally rebuild the house 
right? So wow. we saw we saw that you know we saw that this was going to happen, but we didn't know it was going to take that long. So it took seven months, and then you know it's been on the market for another like you know what three months now. We're trying to sell this thing. So um, from a profit perspective, I mean, if we make any profit, like when I mean any, I mean like you know I don't know what we'll make, but if we make profit, we'll we'll, we'll be like super excited, right? Because now the market is a little bit soft um, in this part of the the country, so we're just really hoping for a, for an offer anytime soon. And I bring this fresh deal up because you asked, um, but also just <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> just to tell folks that look, the idea of real estate investing isn't based or shouldn't be based on some RIA meeting or some pumped up, you know, seminar that you went to. It's a, it's the fact that you know that this system works, meaning the real estate investing game works is a long-term play. I don't want folks to get off this call and think, Oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. No, it's, you are going to fail. Right. I was recently just watching a documentary about, you know, Judge, um, you know, H. Bush, you know, Judge W. Bush's father. And he lost so many elections. I don't want I'm not getting I'm not getting political. At all. I'm just giving an example, a fresh example. But he, he then went on to become the president of the United States. So you are going to fail in this real estate game. And failure doesn't mean you lose money or you don't lose money. It could be like your project took long and you have to deal with like the worst contractors in the world. They're called contractors because con whatever we'll come back to that (laughs) you know like it's okay so i want if you're listening to me you can hear the sound of my voice don't give up you are going to fail it's fine you just the only thing that would not stop you is if you tell yourself that you can succeed and you will so that's why i want i want people to take you know from this from this story is yes, it took longer than expected. It's still on the market. The market went soft. It was just jab, 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 jab. I'm still, I still feel like, I still feel like I'm getting punched right now talking to you about this deal, but it's okay. I'm never going to stop real estate because I know the power of real estate and you will too, whoever is listening to this. Yeah. Well, so that was, of, you know, and you get beat up along the way, but it, that's part of like what learning, I mean, that's where really what it takes, it seems like anyway, is that like you're, you're always going to run into struggles with no matter what you're going to go into. And the difference that between makes it like between successful people and people that aren't successful is that successful people just seem to not quit. That they're like, okay, cool. Well, I took that thrashing and I'll just continue on. You know, Absolutely. like it, it's one of those weird things, right? That you only actually can say I'm a failure whenever you stop. Because until then, you're just learning on your path to success. But once you stop, you can absolutely define yourself as a failure and look back and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a failure. Look at that. You know, Mm -hmm. but if you keep trying, then it's like, nope, that's just the ups and downs of business. Right. Just like the stock market. Yeah. Just like the stock market. It's not all (laughs) win. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, oh, you have to look at trend lines. Like it's the things getting better over the course of the year or two years. Right. You can't look at one event and define everything off of a singular event, you know? Isn't that just amazing what you just described? And as you were talking, Scott, I just thought about it, right? You know, I, I did some stock back in the day. And if you sat in front of your terminal and you, you're looking at a computer and you look on the day trading, you're going to have a heart attack, right? On a particular stock because it's going up and down, red and, red and green, up and down, red and green. But like you said, if you took a step back, right, which is this, you know, where emotional intelligence plays a, a major role, 
and you look at a stock for years, like Apple, for example, you know, I'm not endorsing Apple by any way. I'm just using that as an example is it's grown almost astronomically. Right. So it's really having that taking that step back of, look, I had a bad real estate deal or I had a not so good deal, but next year I'm going to have a fantastic deal. The year after I'm going to have a amazing deal, the year after I might not have a, such a good year. You know, I, I met with, um, you know, one of my lenders and he was telling me during the recession, he lost $2 million. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, wow. how much? Yeah. It's like $2 million. Yeah. So like, you know, and those guys are still in the business, right? And now they're making obviously a lot of money. So in any case, so I'm going to go to the best deal and the best yeah. is actually close to home. And it was um, our first property, right? A multifamily property here in Baltimore. You know, before we got to this property, it's been on the market for six months. Like we, we just felt like nobody wanted it, but it was in a very good area, actually, you know, like a class A um, area here, here in Baltimore. And then we, you know, we picked this thing up and, you know, literally nobody wanted it just because it sat there for so long. Right. And then, you know, we got guys in here, cleaned it up, you know, installed new fixtures, flooring, you know, took out the Formica, you know, CT come down on top, you know, put in, you know, quads on the bottom floor and then did some granite as well, you know, put in new appliances from, you know, we took it from white to silver and, you know, this, this thing cash flows like a monster. And the reason I'm bringing that up is, you know, that's such a short story, but, you know, I know that this works, right? And then, you know, a few years later, we refinanced it and, and took, you know, m- you know, some of the money out of the property. So when you look at those kinds of contrast with, oh, I had such a bad deal, but then I, I know what a good deal looks like. You just know it's an up and down game. And when you realize that and have that, you know, perspective and kind of top down view on this game, you're just positioned to succeed. You just have no choice but to win on the long term, you know, if you're trying to come into this business for a year or two, it's just not enough um, runway to take off really, you know, it's just not enough. Yeah, it's just not enough. You know, you have to have patience, you have to follow your best practices. And, you know, I think it's just really important that you, um, you just learn from the smartest people you can. Um, I always like to wrap up every episode with like a lesson learned uh, from it. And one thing that, you know, that came to me, you know, while I was, we were talking here today was just about the, the lesson of saying that, um, you know, you're going to have fears and anxieties like as you go through. You might not even know exactly what they are. Um, you might not even be able to identify them. But the most important thing is that if you just start moving, you know, move your body, start moving in the right direction, um, then you'll just get through that, right? But those things don't control us. They, they mm-hmm. just are part of what it is to be human is that we have emotions, but they really don't matter, you know, in the sense that they can prevent us from doing the things that we know we need to be doing. We can just recognize them and then move forward and do what we know we need to do anyway. If you had something that you wanted to leave the audience with as like a lesson learned, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think that when we first make up our minds and say, hey, I want to do real estate, right? This is the, this is the path I want to take. I think we all need to understand that um, first and foremost, it's an abundance game. So that's enough to go around, right? But I think more importantly, folks need to... Um, make that commitment to themselves, right? And say, hey, I'm in this for a long haul. I'm going to withstand um, issues that I've never, ever encountered in my life. I would see the human form in new um, in new light. <laughs> I can tell you guys stories for days about what people have done. 
Um, it, it doesn't mean they're good or bad people. It doesn't mean you are good or you're bad, but it's just reality. Um, so when, we t- when, when folks look at real estate from that angle, it's easier when you go through the downs and when you go through the ups, right? Um, you know, someone said something really, really funny to me. It's like, you know, it's funny how people behave, you know, or partners behave when you lose money. And it's even worse when you make money. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, to, when you make money together. So when you understand that and just try your absolute best to be who you are and be your authentic self, um, I think everybody wins. So it's just understanding that this is a long-term game. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Do not be fooled by some pumped-up seminar. You know, that, that stuff is great. I think it's, I, I love those things too, just to kind of get motivated. But, you know, you got to roll up your sleeves. You got to, you know, try to stay humble and just get your hands dirty and treat people um, with respect and dignity as you're going through your journey because many have come and gone through this game. We're not the first real estate investors on the planet. Um, but as you, as you come through and pass through history, um, be the man or woman that, um, you know, people remember for, for how you made them feel. Yeah, what a great lesson. People always remember the way you made them feel. Um, for anybody that's looking to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so you know, um, we're always we're always looking at deals. Um, you know, we're we're currently looking at a deal in Jacksonville. It's a one thirty eight unit. Um, you know, on that, so you can always reach out on my site. And we're also looking at a few deals in Texas now. So investwithola.com. Um, that's investwithola. So I N V E S T with um ola.com you can just reach out to me on there um but also in terms of social media um you know instagram um is also a place i try to post i'm i'm also i'm basically everywhere um but instagram is probably the best place if you if you guys reach out on there just just shoot me a dm and just say hey i heard about you on on scott smith's um, podcast and you know really when you hear this conversations um some of you might be getting that inclination of should i reach out to this guy is it gonna be a nice guy i don't know like reach out right reach out to me facebook me instagram wherever you're at linkedin just say hey all i heard about you i just wanted to reach out and say hello i've been more than happy to talk to you awesome yeah well thank you so much for coming on the show uh today guys and of course i'm your host scott royal smith this is the real estate nerds podcast uh, remember to uh, go to the royallegalsolutions.com website for all of your real estate, business tax, legal advice needs. We got tons and tons and tons of articles there. E- new ebooks, education programs are launching all the time, guys. So um, check that out. Um, until next time, guys, be good. Take it easy. And uh, I'll see you guys again soon. That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day. Thanks, and I'll see you again soon.